So, Neil, anything exciting going on in the last couple of days other than uh, that stupid drama? No, not really. I'm just powering through Slayers as much as I can. Uh, oh, uh, did... a couple of weeks ago, Ben Heck made a made a comment on Facebook that was like, Ice Age and Land Before Time are in the running to see who can make enough sequels until until they make the modern age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, that was, was pretty. Funny. That was pretty good. Yeah. I thought it actually occurred to me. Are there any 3D Land Before Times yet? I'm actually surprised if there isn't. Uh, you know, I'm expecting some like really bad CG Littlefoot to boom. So apparently, <laughs> on your recommendation, someone else like someone else started listening to us now too. Really? Hey. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I just heard about the animation aficionados by guest Curtis Sasso said that. Oh yeah, he's uh, the guy who does a uh, TGT Media. Yeah. People. Yeah, we should uh, we should see if we can talk to that guy about uh, doing something. Yeah, I'll, I'll send him an email. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, I just I just uh, oh can we have Pablo join us, Neil, for Bluth? Sure. Okay. Let's see here. Okay, how do I add him? Neil, you add him. Oh. Uh, I can okay. I can add him. I can add him. All right. Up and add him. Up and at them. <laughs> there he is. Pablo? Okay. Pablo. Neil? Yeah? Do something. What, what do you want me to do? He... I don't know. It's, it's just not working. Well, he's 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 in the, the call window. It's, he's just not picking up. Okay. Um, I'm trying. It's, it's, it's just... I'm trying as hard as I can, damn it. Open, damn it. Is he at oh, the wow. computer right now? He is. He's, he, he's typing to me right now. You add him because you initiated the call. All right. I didn't know Don Bluth was a Mormon. Yeah, yeah, I had heard that a, long, a while ago. Okay. The the Starbase Coloth. What I didn't. Ah, Pablo, I thought you said you got a mic. Uh oh, we're being invaded by the Doctor Who opening. I thought we were being invaded by an Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Okay, Pablo, just speak regularly. Let's see if we cleared up the distortion field. Uh, do you copy me right now? Uh, yes, we are. So the uh, reality distortion field is offline. The uh, the iPhone 4 is just a piece of crap. So the uh... <laughs> <laughs> what I didn't know is that Don Bluth worked at Filmation. Oh yes. Oh God. Before it hit the the bad times, it seems. It's everyone sort of starts. Like he, everyone he worked at a... Filmation. Yeah, but the thing is, he worked at Disney, left, and then went to Filmation. Yeah, but then he went back to Disney, and then he left again. Why would you do that? <laughs> Well, you know what? Uh, Sometimes you have to just leave to really appreciate what you had. I guess. Everyone worked at Fil- Filmation. You know, it's funny looking at Filmation's credits list because you see a lot of A-grade, A-name animators <laughs> that won't even talk about uh, Lou Scheimer because they're too polite. It's like, you know, working on Sleeping Beauty was great, but you know what? I think I'm going to go animate the Archies. Archies <laughs> here. <laughs> Might as well go to Hanna Barbera. That was respectable. <laughs> Hong Kong Fui, number one number super, one super guy. guy. We have a Japanese mouse. Hello, yeah, I, I never noticed there was a, a third speaker here. Oh, <laughs> surprise! <laughs> a Japanese Whoa. mouse. Well, Chew. Chew oh, is... Chew. That's actually not my name, and I'm not Chinese or Japanese. I'm half Filipino. There's okay. The, uh... Oh. <laughs> But uh, that okay. is my uh, on, my online handle is just Chew. So. Chew. Oh. Mm-hmm. D Chew. 
They chew. Nice. I just did, yeah. I just did that because <laughs> arrogance, I guess. And also, <laughs> it makes me stand out. Uh, so, yeah. Not, it's... I'm still working on my titling. You can be you the just... Pablo. No, he he's also Optimus uh, Prano. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. Because Pablo, Pablo's a Transformers fanboy. Yeah. Pablo, no, no, how, no, how great is Beast Wars again, Pablo? I do like Beast Wars. I do. Seriously. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I'm just trying to get Neil riled up again. <laughs> the Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Web Comic Beacon, a topical web comics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Web Comic Beacon newscast recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before web comics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. But yeah, let's get started on on this episode here. Don Bluth. Yes. Yeah. Don Bluth, <laughs> because... the secret the secret alias of uh, Flint Dilly. Anyway. Oh. So. <laughs> Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, tonight we're doing a spotlight on animator and legend Don Bluth. Of course, you know my co-host, TV Sister Neil. I'm allergic to cat. I'm allergic to K. <laughs> and we have joining us uh, Pablo Prino. I would go with Delay CI, but that's not his. And also joining us uh, is a uh, new listener, The Chew. Yep, yep, yep. All right, uh, Don Bluth uh, is, of course, a legendary animator. Uh, worked at Disney, then Filmation, then Disney, then for himself. And <laughs> and that that's a very quick summary of a very long and colorful career. Uh Bluth has done lots of great work. His his work is almost described by some people as Disney-esque, but I think Bluth likes to tackle subject matters that Disney wouldn't touch for with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Um, I'll let the Neil start on that. Uh, well, the very first independent movie he did was The Secret of Nim, which was adapted from a book, and that one was a bit darker than, uh, than most Disney films up to that time, and but then, of course, Disney outdid him two years later with the Black Cauldron. But anyway, that's the movie where where there's a there's a mouse family that is in the middle of a, a field and they need to move because the plow is coming. And uh, somewhere in the course of the film, she gets this amulet and she holds it up and uh, the rays of magic come out of it and Stan Bush starts playing and and, <laughs> <laughs> and she saves the family and yeah, you've got the touch. It's like there's there's a there's a feeling of doom and and danger in that movie that's not present in a lot of uh, Disney films. And the interesting thing about Nim is the original book never had any of that magic stuff. It was basically just the 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 the, the mice and Nim was the name of the uh, yeah Miss Frisbee and the rats and Nim. The idea were the rats and Nim were just super intelligent. None of this magic stuff. The magic was unique to the movie. Yeah, no magic and no uh, Shakespearean area cl- era clothes or sword fights or anything. <laughs> it's, uh, he embellished a bit. I think it's interesting though. Like it's a little silly, but hey, cool sword fight. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. I, I just wanted to uh, just to, you know, if anyone ever wants to look at the book, not to be sorely disappointed. 
and uh, Tigger and Nim is 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 obviously a very beautiful Don Bluth film. It, uh, you know, it, well, the one thing is, uh, you know, Bluth. You, you can tell Bluth worked at Disney because you, you see lots of things that you know Bluth as an animator did at Disney, and then you watch a Bluth film. And actually, this is something that uh, this is something that Don Bluth actually himself tested uh, when he when he oh. did test screens of Thumbelina. Mm-hmm. He did two different separate test screenings. One where he has Don Bluth presents, the other where he puts a Disney logo on it. And the Disney yeah. one tested better. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it pissed him off. If you go back oh, and watch I... Fox and the Hound, there's I think at least one scene where you can tell it's a Don Bluth scene. Yes. I think it's when they're in the barn. Yes, that that was that was definitely Bluth's uh, ticks. Yeah. Bluth as an animator has lots of uh, very signature Don Bluth ticks. And he has very good ticks, by the way. He uh, he he's very good with expression, very good with motion, very and, good uh, body language, and and emotion especially. I it's mean, funny has... because uh, sorry, the the more you watch him, the more you can see like a lot of his characters have the same tick. It's not bad, but like it gets kind of repetitive. Like I was just watching Banjo the Woodpile Cat, and he's making the same expressions that like the rabbit and Robin Hood does, and Robin Hood does, and. Vival does and Mrs. Brisby does. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean it's good animation all the time, but you're like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> but yeah, the, the of course we have to bring up the fact that uh, we're talking about stuff he did at the Sullivan Bluth Studios. It was it was a studio that he co-owned, and uh, you know next is an American Tale, which uh, which is really funny because it you know Don Bluth actually teams up with uh, Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. Indeed, he does. I think Steven part of this Spielberg was because the last. I think this is. A, I think this was because the last time he went head to head against Spielberg and lost, so he was like, "Well, if you can't beat him, join him." Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Secret of Nim going against ET didn't do so well. <laughs> <laughs> what I remember is is the the song somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. I, I love the version in the uh, in the movie where where Feifel's voice actor his voice actually cracks yeah i i do that all the time when i'm like trolling my friends like beneath the light. I, I love that it adds an innocence to the it's song it's really cute yeah it's really cute but you're listening well, to it you're like oh that's one of the things, that's one of the things that blood always does that uh, he makes you care about stuff and feel sorry for most of the characters he always tackles uh that's something that disney doesn't usually do it's like oh you, Poor Pinocchio. Oh well, uh, he'll make it true. You, you have that sort of sense yeah, that and, uh, everything is going to be all right in the end somehow. It, it, the stakes are never really that high. Like you're gonna ever doubt that. Oh, that poor little fella. I mean, also I remember Linda when Rostad. it comes to blood with, with, when, with the blood films, it's almost like, oh holy sh! This fella is. Oh my god, life <laughs> hates him. I mean, you really. I, I remember watching The Land Before Time as a kid and being terrified. Well, you remember. Like, well, you have to remember the dinosaurs. They're they're, they're going to be they're going to be screwed anyways in a couple hundred years. Yeah, but 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 no, it's not just them. It's everyone. Even even in uh, a troll in Central Park, you actually felt sorry for the. I mean, I, uh, in spite of the rest of the movie, it's like <laughs> every time one of those characters, as much as you may hate them, starts to be. F in the A, you you you're like oh come on he didn't deserve oh ooh ow oh, really don't want to be that guy in everything <laughs> I mean there's 
it's weird. I, I think the it was probably in Titan AE that that was the the only time I, I never actually felt that bad for for the characters. But the rest of them, he's a sadist. Yeah, I, I was going to say that that works to a certain extent. Like I don't, I stopped caring once he goes off the deep end in the nineties. <laughs> and you're like, what am I? What he's like? Don Bluth presents an acid trip. Like whoa. whoa well, what I remember, so what I remember about the about the American Tale is uh, is they actually have uh, the you know the the at the end credits they had that Linda Ronstadt seeing somewhere out there. I remember that because I'm a Linda yeah. Ronstadt fan. Ah, uh. Blue Bayou. Anyways, uh, that's about when I was walking out. <laughs> Not a Linda Ronstadt fan, Neil. Not really, but I was just making a joke. Oh, that's that's right. You're a metal guy. Metal. <laughs> but yeah, there'd be metal. Iron Maiden singing it. I'd stay for that. <laughs> yeah, and the end credits roll of American Tale. <laughs> but yeah, after after American Tale is the Land Before Time. The first of many Land Before Time movies. The only, the only good one. Yeah, yeah, the only good one. <laughs> yeah, see, see, someone could totally like make a straw man argue about the the state of American animation by reviewing all the ones after this one. Oh wait, that happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, did we lose someone? Uh, Pablo. Pablo. There's a problem with the call. Hold on. Oh, we can keep going. Yeah, but but <laughs> yeah, it's the Land Before Time. It's a. Uh, it, it's sort of endearing the first time you watch it, but. The more sequels that come after it, it the, the worse it gets. And this don't is exist. <laughs> they're, you're lying. They, the, they're not real. There was a there was a garbage truck full of money that pulled up to Blue's house. I, I admit, um, I had the Land Before Time on. Uh, I actually owned it on VHS when I was a little kid, and uh, I loved the hell out of it. Watched it over and over, and then uh, I, I remember. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I got The Land Before Time 2 as a little kid, and I liked it for the little T-Rex, but I could tell, I, like, immediately, like, this is not, this yeah. is not good. Oh, uh, <laughs> I like the T-Rex, but, uh, ugh. Apparently, Ducky's voice actress, Judith Barsi, a lot of The saddest story <laughs> oh, in going, the history yeah. of animation. Oh, my God. I think they watched the movie, and then... But uh, at the Land Before Time, I hear there's a uh, like a big chunk of it that was cut out for um, the T-Rex segment being too scary. And I, I know as a kid, I was I don't know I love that part. I would like rewind it and watch it over and over again because it was so terrifying that I don't know I got a high off of it or something. It was great. Sarah and Littlefoot running away from the T-Rex. Um, yeah, the the full length version of that is uh, considered a lost film. Yeah, the original, sadly. the original alternate ending had had the had uh, them defeating Sharptooth with a giant rock. They hit him with a rock. It was only a big 60, rock. Sixty nine minutes long. That's really short. Yeah. Well, actually, to Neil, that that's in the butter zone. No, actually, once you drop below seventy minutes, then it's kind of like ah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so the butter zone for Neil is seventy to ninety. Yeah. I'll take I'll take a hundred minutes or even a hundred and ten. Once you go beyond that, it better be a good fucking movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and like, here's and here's another favorite of mine. All dogs go to heaven. I remember loving this film as a kid so much. Oh, same here. Definitely. And uh, it, it's a charming movie. It's a charming movie. And uh, what I especially loved was uh, what I especially loved was just the. The, the scene with with uh, King Gator, which which totally ties into a later scene where King Gator actually comes and helps and saves the day at the end of the movie after hearing uh, Char- Charlie's yell again. 
there's totally making that earlier scene totally part of the continuity of the movie. And that's the second uh, uh, that guy with the glasses slam you've done in this show. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I, holding I my remember, I remember uh, like watching it, and he, there's a big lift alligator moment, and then I was I hadn't seen that movie in a long time. I had all dogs go to have I didn't have it, but I remember renting it over and over as a kid and not remembering it at all. So I expected when I watched it just earlier this week, I expected the alligator not to come back, but did it, it did, and I'm like, oh okay, there he is. So, the, so the, that scene totally has a point in the plot, and and. Um... Yeah, well, I don't know. If, I don't know if the giant clam was necessary, but <laughs> but they, they didn't call it a giant clam moment. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. A, the music. The thing is, um, all dogs go to heaven. It was a. Uh, it was weird. It's a weird movie. It's not a bad movie. It's a strange movie. Probably worth watching if you're interested in. Uh, if anybody's interested in learning more about Bluth. Um, uh, well, my love is you know Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise. Oh, they have good rapport in that movie. It's a uh, generally genuinely funny jokes in that movie. Well, anything with Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds in it, you know, that's always going to be good. <laughs> but unfortunately but, for the for the sequel, which uh, is not a Bluth movie, they traded uh, uh, what's his name for for Charlie Sheen. Burt Reynolds. Yeah, winning. <laughs> not Tiger Blood. <laughs> well, also another thing I gotta say before uh, for uh, all dogs go to heaven is that um I don't know if the copy I had was a later censored version or or what, but uh, there's a scene where Killer is telling his boss Carface that he has a gun and Carface asks what kind of gun and Killer says it's a uh, it's a Flash Gordon Inferno ray gun and ray, like Carface is really happy about it. He's like, oh, a ray gun. And I, I could have sworn that Carface was being sarcastic and was going to take Killer out or something. But no, later they show up with a Tommy gun, very clearly a machine gun, and they fire at um, they fire at Charlie and Anne Marie, and it's making ray gun noises like pew 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 pew. I'm like uh, that is a that's a machine. Was that gun. the four kids version? Maybe. I, I'm so confused. With the glowing like, disco guns of death. There's no way. Like, it's clearly a machine gun, but it's going, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Who are you fooling? And the alligator's feet are made of black energy discs that mind wipe the victims or something? Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. At least but, yeah. they didn't paint the gun away entirely, so Killer's just, you know, holding out his hand and, you know, beams well, come out of it or something. Yeah. I've seen stuff like that in, in Metabots when suddenly Peppercat gets a, a machine gun arm and starts shooting and you start uh, hearing bubbles come out of it. <laughs> and it was like... Seriously? The bullet caskets flow. And it's like, wow. <laughs> but we have to move to Rockadoodle now. And uh, oh, I, gotta admit, I hate Rockadoodle. I, really I, it blew my mind as a kid. This one. For many what, reasons. What, Neil? I remember. I, I skipped this one. Okay, it's a, uh, see, you know, I, I love Glenn Campbell, you know, uh, you know, Galveston's a great song, yeah, but, that, but this is not a good movie, it's... Yeah. I, I felt it had uh, some heart into it, it was like, we're gonna make something that's really something, but we don't know what sort of something it's supposed to be, but it's gonna be something, and it that's what it was, because you, you actually feel... There were, a lot of passion went into some certain key scenes. It was like when uh, what was the the rooster's name? Chandler. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, copy paste name for rooster here. Uh, 
when he starts singing, you know, like sort of becoming a ray of light and bringing sun again, and that's what that's some stuff you we wouldn't get to see again until I don't know, Gurren Lagan or something. I mean, it, it mine works. is the drill that pierces the heavens. Yeah, only it's a rooster instead of a real. And and that was something I remember that kind of struck me hard when I was like, it was like, whoa, that that's something. But then it was like, but what the hell have I been watching for the last hour? That's something that sadly uh, many blood films fail at, which is the, okay, let's close up and move on, credits. And it's like, yeah, but I don't really know how to fix this. Uh, the alligator pops up and it's the bad guy. Uh, okay. Okay, and how do we end this uh, rockadoodle thing? Uh, the rooster becomes... Pierces the heaven! Uh, okay. <laughs> and, and that's something you start seeing in, in many of the films. For, and in, with a troll in Central Park, it was like, uh, oh yeah, and uh, the magic powers fixes everything. Yeah. <laughs> Arguably, that's the ending of the secret of Nim. It's like, oh, how do we fix it? Uh, magic pendant, do it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it Our darkest the, uh, power. The, the execution <laughs> is a bit better. But but uh, I think uh, it's Thumb- something that dropped on him from filmation or something, maybe. But uh, Thumbelina, we had to talk about Thumbelina. Um, Thumbelina is actually kind of solid. It's solid, but it's forgettable. It it has good, beautiful blue th- animation, but. It's ultimately forgettable, in my opinion. It's because I know the story of Thumbelina. I've read it many times. I've seen it many times. And this is the story of Thumbelina. Yeah, it, it's uh, pretty close to the original story. He, he didn't take as much uh, artistic freedom as people usually do when adapting story tales. And one of the things that I remember was that uh, I had to go to another city to watch some of the animated films that were out at that time. And... My sister and my mother went to see Tambolina at the same time that uh, my father and I went to watch The, the Lion King. Uh, so we had a father and son and mother and daughter moment. Uh, and we both loved each, each movie separately. And it was like my sister and my mother, oh, yeah, and the prince and this, uh, you know, the bee that's sort of like a, a motorcycle, and it was great, and it was very romantic, and I was hugging my father and saying, Hakuna Matata, Hakuna Matata, because, you know, Mufasa's hey, you know, handsome right. Yeah, anyways. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I didn't realize that uh, Thumbelina came out the same year as Lion King. That's another thing that uh, kept biting Bluth in the ass, is that, uh, Disney. you know, Disney, all go- dogs go to heaven, Little Mermaid, whoops. Well, the problem, <laughs> with, the like problem with that whoops. the problem with that was that was Disney's real second golden age in the 90s when, when they were having hit after hit after hit. It wasn't until Treasure Planet that they finally made something that technically bombed again. Yeah. And, um, and Bluth was just going against the Disney machine. I mean, Hercules was, was crap, but it made tons of money. And... <laughs> And I would imagine even in a year that Disney wasn't releasing something, they'd they'd pull something out of the vault and say, oh, we'll release Snow White or something like that. Put it up you against know, Bluth. Back from the Disney vault. Yeah, put it up against Bluth and Bluth it's says, damn it. <laughs> and uh, Troll in Central Park is, is about a troll that, that goes on forums. And no. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I'll let I'll let Neil talk about this because I didn't actually watch this at all. Uh, uh I didn't watch it either. 
Pablo? I did, I did, I did. It's about this troll that w- doesn't want to, you know, uh, be stereotyped as the usual evil troll or something, and he just wants to, you know, be a gardener. Uh, so he, I don't remember if he gets expelled or just uh, runs away and becomes and starts living in Central Park, and then he meets two kids. Uh, and he starts spending time with them, and then the evil troll queen wants to do something bad, maybe to him, and abducts the kids, and then he has to go and rescue them, and then he, you know, gets back and stuff, and then he's turned into stone, but then magic helps, and he, you know, gets turned back, and lives happily ever after, and it's all squishy and cutesy and... Uh, I didn't particularly enjoy this movie because I I think it was uh, I, I was around uh, 11 or 12 years old when I, I saw it and was like oh, I'm entering puberty I'm starting to feel mad about stuff I gotta <laughs> rebel cutesy ah, that was my that, that was me getting back at all those years watching My Little Pony and stuff I had to make it up somehow. So it was, I'm going to choose to hate one cutesy film, and it's going to be a troll in Central Park. Wow. Uh, well, can we talk about the pebble and the penguin next? Uh, I, I, I pass. I, I never saw it. Neither did I, Neil. You know, I, I didn't even know about this until today. There were a lot of these <laughs> movies in the 90s. I was like, oh, he, he was still making shit. I thought there was like a big gap between Rockadoodle and Anastasia. Nah, there's a whole field of turds that uh, nobody really wants to talk about. I haven't seen I haven't seen a Thumbelina, a Troll in Sandy Park, or Pebble and the Penguin. I mean, all I had to do is look at the cover of the Pebble and the Penguin and go, no, 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 no. Um, I've seen clips of it. Did you know that if you try hard enough, a rockhopper penguin can learn to fly? Eh. <laughs> no, wrong. Yeah, I looked at the cover of uh, the Pebble and the Penguin. I'm like, wow, did DreamWorks make this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't see a DreamWorks face yet. Yeah, but, but it's, uh, it's a very DreamWorks design. Now let's talk about a really dark movie that he did. Mm-hmm. This is this actually isn't one done by his original studio. This is one he did with uh, he did with uh, Fox Animation Studio. We're talking about Anastasia, and uh, this movie is dark. Yeah, uh, but it's also it's weird because they went with the whole it's a dark subject. Uh, we're going to show some dark stuff here, uh, but we're going to make it darker so it's not so dark. That's, for example, when it's it's being labeled as anti-communist because Rasputin is uh, an evil overlord from hell that spawns, you know, demons and uses them to kill her and, and to kill her family. So all the Bolsheviks are basically demons or being influenced by demons. So if you start to compare it with history, which is dark, uh, this one went darker to make it more politically correct, which is a very weird choice. Well, Rasputin is is always vilified. I mean, if you ever talk about Rasputin not being vilified in fiction, I, I would ask, what kind of fiction are you reading? I mean, even Hellboy, you know. Yeah, but the thing is that we're used to Rasputin being evil as it is, but... The thing is, when you start saying, oh, yeah, that wasn't uh, communism or or something, that was devil worshipping, yeah. And that's the problem here, because they didn't want to 
touch on that subject. So it was like, yeah, because Anastasia's family died, they were killed. Uh, yeah, how? Uh, uh, we're going to not talk about that, but demons had to do with that. So if a kid ever bothers... Instead of a, fire, a, it's a, it's a, instead of a firing squad, yes. Yeah. I never thought so, about that before, that they just basically replaced one side of the revolution with demon creatures. <laughs> like, oh, man. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I never actually thought about that because uh, the movie itself works very well when it comes to that. Uh, it's, uh, you know... It's a, if, if, if you watch it as a movie on itself, it works very well. Uh, but, uh, you know... This movie, was actually extre- this movie was actually extremely profitable. In fact, there was a Bartok spinoff uh, direct to uh, VHS. Ah, yeah. Which, no, this, did. Bartok which, the Great. Yeah, but if you look at it, this movie was extremely profitable for Bluth. I mean, Bluth hasn't seen profitability in about three movies, so... You know, yeah, he was happy. I, bet the, I bet the sad thing was, uh, you know, going down to the Disney level because it, uh, Anastasia is very close to the Disney formula again. It, yeah, it is. It, it's, it's, it's you know, there's a princess, an actual princess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but no, this movie is 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 dark compared to Disney. This, I mean, only Sleeping Beauty can hit this level. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I only saw it once when I was a kid, and I remember like there's a whole sequence where Rasputin is running around with his little demon buddies. And as a kid, I haven't seen this like since this was relatively new. I remember thinking, um, this is just like Be Prepared in The Lion King. Like this is exa- They're even using like the same color scheme, and they're marching. Oh around. yeah. It's like wait a minute. In the of the night. <laughs> he just the did it again. <laughs> there's also a lot of rotoscoping used in this movie. So, uh, yeah, I don't it's know. one of the staples there. You you always get to see some rotoscoping in his movies, but it's really great. It's it's great acting. It's not. It doesn't just feel like you know something traced like it used to happen with movies like, um, ah, with like heavy metal. Heavy metal felt very rotoscoped, as in you know this is traced. Uh, but uh, you have John Blue Candy Smith talking about has, his dong. Uh, what? John Candy, what? John Candy talking about his dong in, in heavy metal. Off topic, uh, just for a second. They actually animated that and they they cropped it out. The dong. Yeah. So that was actually going to be in the movie. <laughs> I bet it would. It, it, anyways, uh, anyways, Titan A. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they tried this, to repeat the success from Anastasia. You know, but it had really bad CG. Yeah, I, I believe that was forced on him. I, I, uh, but I it, think... but was uh, but it, let's talk about the all star cast. Uh, Bill per- Pullman, mm-hmm. uh, Janine Garofalo, John uh. Leguizamo. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Wait, he was in that? Like, who was he? Like, the, Leguiz- I believe it was the guy with the glasses. The Astrogator J- June. Ron Perlman. God. Uh, it's oh yeah, there's Nathan Lane as Preed. Guy. Yes, but yeah, Neil, your your favorite John Leguizamo. Yeah, Matt Damon's in this. It 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 uh, Bull, Bill Pullman. Jim Brewer, Jim Cummings. What the hell is he doing in this? He 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 got knocked on the head and walked in the wrong studio. It's like <laughs> I need to make rent. <laughs> no, you don't. You're Jim fucking Cummings. Go work at Disney. Well, I think this was after he got in trouble for sounding like Louis Prima. Uh, that could be. Because. Oh. 
what would imagine what it, what would happen if someone did that to Hanna Barbera in the seventies? Yeah. They would have nothing. Yeah. Uh, Tone, Tone Loke, what the hell is he doing in this? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of these names are clearly just to get uh, just to get uh, the marquee value names. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to MWire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one and longest-running G.I. Joe podcast, What's on Joe Mind? It's Joe News, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from G.I. Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right, and we pay again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding, kinda. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right, and we... Okay, seriously, this is just getting ridiculous now. It's What's on Joe Mind every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. I suppose I still can't say something about Transformers, can I? Good No. What about sports? That sounds good. Yeah, that's all right. 2012 marks the 30th anniversary for Masters of the Universe. We here at the GCRN are celebrating with a brand new series of podcasts. The Powers of Grayskull series will cover every episode of every MOTU cartoon. Yes, even that crappy new adventure stuff. Join Optimus Solo and TF2 and Mike as they tell tales of Eternia, discover the myths of Etheria, become masters in space, and finally masters of Grayskull. You can find the Pogs podcasts in iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Good journey! This movie came out on my 13th birthday, so that was like my birthday present from my brother was to go see this movie. And at the time, I guess I was like okay with it. I didn't like get mad or anything, but I didn't really remember it. <laughs> and then I watched it again in high school. And it was a thing, and I didn't really remember it. And then I tried watching it last night, and I made it about halfway through. And then I saw a good movie called Brave, and I just didn't have the the heart to finish Titan AE. It's not terrible, but it's not good. It's filled with a lot of butt rock. So there's, like, you get... Like the you get Kale who's gonna like drive a, a scooter or something in space and then bam, 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 like I'm <laughs> out of here like <laughs> air guitar yeah they they were trying too hard to be hip yeah, air guitar clear smog that and there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense like I uh I remember like there there are animation errors where uh, the map will keep changing hands on uh, Kale the main character. Like and what most... I love is, is Kale has to go outside and, and uh, fix some circuit breakers. There's the fact that like these the evil aliens uh, are pure energy, but they, they ride in spaceships. Like, why would they need to? <laughs> and why would they need to? Oh, they need to be able. <laughs> they need to be able to uh, ride ships because then uh, that means the main character can steal it and look cool. And there's also a point where he breaks out of a jail cell, but a, a jail cell, 
by just pointing his fingers at it. Then he walks through. I'm like, okay. He's like, <laughs> well, you got you, no, he, because like, you gotta understand they're made from pure energy. They don't have fingers, so they never expected <laughs> someone doing that. They have awful it's, it's, CG fingers that are really bad and ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a shame because there's, you know, you get the 2D do- Bluth stuff and then, which is kind of goofy, but, you know, smooth. It's always very smooth because it's Bluth. And then you get, like, missing frame CGI blue guy and you're like, oh. Smooth like Bluth. I guess, uh. I don't know, you could argue if you're, like, deranged that they're from another world. Like, they're not like us. <laughs> they're three-dimensional. They're three-dimensional. <laughs> they they don't live it in the spaces we know. It's like but it's like it's like the Dragonlance movie. Practice. It's like the Dragonlance movie all over again. Oh man. Georgia. But uh, let's let's talk about uh, a an often forgotten but beautiful example of Bluth animation, Dragon's Lair. Oh yeah. Also, also say, called Quarter Eater, yeah. the game. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say we ought to transition into the video games. Uh, yeah, this this game I got this game on DVD in a set with. Uh, Dragon Slayer, Dragon Slayer 2, and Space Ace. And I put the first one in, and I saw a, a watch mode, and I'm like, oh, I'll just watch the game. <laughs> and I, I watched it for about 10 minutes. I'm like, wow, that was some good animation. And I don't think I ever played it. Uh, I, I got the, the second Dragon Slayer game on DVD, and I tried playing it, but I didn't make it past, I don't know, what would be perhaps five minutes of animation. And I, my pride doesn't allow me to just put the watch mode on, so I don't know how it how it ends, and I don't think I'll ever well, know. Well, there's 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 Beethoven, and then there's the uh, the mummy stage, and uh, and yeah, stuff happens, and you those, have to experience it. Those but, games are so impossible. You basically have to memorize the entire game. There's no way you could just play it and react to what you see on the screen. You have to know. Clearly what's not, especially because some of the Hit areas, who are which are not hit areas, are barely noticeable. What I love, what I love is uh, is as note uh, they couldn't the studio couldn't hire any uh, models Boys. for Daphne, so they opened up some Playboys. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, I I believe it. I believe. Yeah. It. I've, uh, I I've do. never played. I've never played the game. So what did the controller look like for the arcade cabinet? Like was it a? It was like a, a joystick, joystick with a button. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you had, it, like, pointed at the direction of the glowing area and hit the button on, on time or, or, or you die? Was it, uh, like, uh, is like up? Was it only left and right, or is it up and down and diagonals, too? or Just up, down, left, right. Oh, okay. That yeah, makes it a nothing, little easier. Nothing as sophisticated <laughs> as a diagonal. But I remember being young and, and seeing that, I'm like, how the hell does that even work? Because I kind of understood, you know, the basics of video game video gaming, which is that they're basically made up of uh, of limited sprite animation. And then I see this beautiful cell animation. I'm like, how would that even work? And then I put a quarter in, and I'm like, oh, that's how. And then I walked <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah, I, I this was before my time. So I uh, earlier I, I, uh, I watched the, the Dragon's Lair, just like basically watch mode that somebody had on YouTube. And uh, it's it's funny because I know it's a game, but it also looks like really kind of schizophrenic or something because it keeps jumping. Like every every few seconds, you get a second of him entering a room, and it replays a little uh, stock animation, and then he like goes for a chain. It's a uh, it's interesting to watch because the animation is really beautiful, but at the same time, I'm like, how in the world is anybody supposed to play this? <laughs> you have like three seconds to react, and you're dead. <laughs> and and then there's and then there is a space you know space ace, which is 
just as beautiful to watch, but yeah. And just as impossible. In Dragon's Lair 2, you know, let's do the time warp again. Uh, and, 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 and these are great to watch. They, they're way too short to be, you know, fully enjoyable, but they are great to watch. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's such a shame that the Space Ace uh, game was turned into a very shitty animated series. Well, Dragon's to be fair, that, the same fate. I, don't, I don't think Bluth had anything to do with that. That was all Ruby Spears, Saturday yeah. Supergade. Well, that's the thing with Blood. Uh, all of his movies get sequels, and he's never involved in that. Yeah. Uh, he, by he, the way, he got the Alan Moore treatment. Yeah. The, uh, the Secret in Him, the, the sequel to that is like the worst degradation from original film to sequel that I've ever seen. What I love is at the beginning, they show clips from the original beautiful Bluth animation, and then, and then here's the Korean stuff. Yeah, it's like, here's, here's beautiful <laughs> animation. Enjoy it now, because you will never see it again. <laughs> Wait a minute, but I, I gotta I gotta say that I I liked um, Bible Goes West when I was a kid. I actually watched that first, and uh, then realized an American Tale was a thing. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> that was that was that was uh, Flint and Dilly doing Bible Goes West. Bible Goes West has some great animation though, and some great moments. Uh, but it's completely the almost the polar opposite of what American Tale was. Yeah, uh, I was, uh, American Tale is much more of a heartfelt story of, uh, of moving to a new place and, and the trials and tribulations of that. Well, Five Will Goes West is like a kind of cutesy, fun western, and it's it's kind of jarring. Yeah, well, that, the thing it, one to the other. Yeah, yeah. The the thing that makes it pretty clear is the scene at the saloon where Fable's sister starts singing, tries to sing the the original song, and then it all goes to hell. Yeah, I, I I remember loving that as a kid, and then I rewatched it, you know, like ten years later, and was like, "Wait a minute, what's going on here?" And uh, we had to mention his work when he was at Disney, like The Rescuers, where he threw in a naked picture of a woman. Was that him? That was him. <laughs> you don't think it was him? I, well, I don't know. Not, I don't know if that was him, but if you're like now that I'm thinking disgruntled Disney employee, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> He might have turned up. I see on Wikipedia that he was directing animator. Maybe he turned a blind eye to it. He was like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> the, the guy who says, I need to draw a sexy princess. Oh, here's some Playboys is not going to put a naked picture in a Disney film. Okay, there's more evidence there. Like, I saw Daphne. Oh, my. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> and yet he's, he's a like... member of the LDS church. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that. You know, he does too. <laughs> He was a missionary in Argentina. I just got I just got to point at Daphne. She's she's a she's pretty special. And they end yeah, the Dragon Slayer. The the rescuers and the rest the rescuers down under which uh, Blues did not touch were, yeah. were were pretty good films. I remember enjoying them as kids. I still haven't seen the sequel. You know, I haven't seen Down Under yet. Surprisingly <laughs> good movie that everybody ignores. Support, yeah, yeah it, it is very. Hearing. It is very good. It has a uh, has uh, John Candy doing the uh, the albatross, hmm. like Wilbur, the brother of Orville. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah. if you got time, I would suggest checking out uh, the Rescuers Down Under. It's a good movie. Yeah, it really is. He also well, worked on uh, he also worked on Pete's Dragon, the small one, the Christian uh, Christmas film, and the Fox and the Hound, as Neil pointed out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what what I remember about uh, Bluth is is uh, uh, Bluth has such a very distinctive style, and uh, even his uh, you know even his uh, proteges followed through that style. 
uh, I'm going to talk about a certain film. Uh, <laughs> uh, let, let me just ask everyone here. Does anyone here know who uh, who uh, Ralph Zondag is? Oh, jeez. No, Ralph, I don't. What? I do. Ralph Zondag. Their bad yeah, dinosaur I... story. Yeah, yeah. Ralph Zondag was, was, was Don Bluth's protege. I, I mean, mean hmm. Don Bluth, like, nearly hand trained this guy and and then and then he he and then he leaves and then zondag got his chance okay this is my chance i'm gonna do an animated film i'm gonna be the next don bluth we're back at dinosaur story and now he's back doing storyboards uh dinosaur story is that the disney dinosaur cgi movie no that's just dinosaur no no this is the one that uh, steven spielberg's albumation animation studio did Oh, the one they're back or something like that. Yeah, we're back. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can see why you say that they kept the, his quirks. Uh, but, yeah, Zond- wow. Zondag. Zondag was uh, was you know he, he Zondag has a good uh, pedigree, and Neil's gonna say like a mutt. He he worked at Nelvana. He uh, worked for for Bluth, you know, and then all of a sudden he got his shot. He got his shot. And then now he's doing storyboards again. <laughs> Shot legs. But yeah, not, nothing, nothing bad to say. Just some people aren't meant to be directors. Yeah, that's fair. Like maybe he he can do good work, but just not as a director. Well, one of the things that most talented people that try to be directors fail at is uh, having a backbone when it comes to standing for stuff, and that's sort of the things that screws you over if you are given one big chance with bigger names than you. I mean, if you're standing next to George uh, Lucas and Steven Spielberg and they say, you're going to make our animated movie, it's like, how do you, the storyboard artist or TV animator, ever get to say no to something they say or, or propose something and and make have them like that? Uh, you just can't uh, unless you have a very strong backbone, you're you're going down, and, <laughs> and all the blame is going to end up on you. Yeah, if you if you succeed in your on your first shot, if you succeed on your first shot, all the accolades are on you. But if you fail, you're screwed. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Because it, making an animated movie, you you get less of a shot than making a movie movie in Hollywood. I mean. I mean, you you could uh, you could you could make a movie that's number eleven and losing the most money in the world, and it still get a sequel. <laughs> well, I so think that has more to do with Ryan Reynolds' contract. Oh, not the not the you know yeah, that's why I love Green Lantern. The movie lost like this lost Warner Brothers Studios a hundred million dollars. What? It's getting a sequel. Yes, it's confirmed. It, Yes, what I love is that it lost $100 million. It's number 11 and losing the most money of all time. And it's getting a sequel. I don't understand it. And, oh, why is Jeff Johns walking out of the executive producer's office of Warner Brothers? And what's that white stuff around his mouth? Oh, uh, we didn't need that imagery. <laughs> we really didn't. <laughs> How else did they make the sequel? Uh, well, Warner Bros. Uh, really needs to make a Justice League movie. You know that thing's going to fall apart. They only said that just because they had to directly respond to the fact that Marvel made a hit with Avengers. Of course. Like I we said, they, they gave Ryan Reynolds the Drew Carey contract. Oh, God. Said, you, you have guaranteed two sequels. And by God, you're going to make it whether the first one is good or not. 
the Drew Carey contract? Drew, yeah, Drew Carey got like a, Drew Carey Antigala got a three Drew contract. Carey got a three season renewal for the Drew Carey show after it's after it had like a very successful second season, and like after the third season, which was pretty good, he did he did experimental episodes like he did who whose line is it in a Drew Carey episode once? Oh, I remember that. I mean, he did some really weird experimental ship and, shit, and that show went down quick, but they couldn't cancel it because of the contract. Na, 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 na. They did that with Power Rangers RPM, too. That magnificent bastard. <laughs> hey, if I, had a, if I had a contract and access to the TV studio and I knew they couldn't fire me for another season, yeah, hell, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember they had the Oswald character in the Halloween episode dressed up as a, as a giant penis and, and they couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> Just show up to work drunk. I'm like, roll camera. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, ABC must have been furious. <laughs> Like, we really can't not. stop this guy. Like, What's he doing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> stop him. We what, can't. <laughs> what I love is, is, is just the fact that he actually had the guys from Whose Line Is It Anyway on an episode, and, and they actually, like, stopped the middle of the Drew Carey show plot. They just stopped the plot just to do a Whose Line Is It skit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those people at ABC must have been more pissed off than when dinosaurs bombed and they realized they still had to get to episode 65. <laughs> The magical and I'm not sure why, because I've never seen it in syndication. Maybe well, I, I have seen it. That means it's probably in syndication somewhere. Overseas. Overseas, yeah. Japan. <laughs> We're big in Japan. Yeah, it's dinosaur but, big. But yeah, Don Bluth. Don Bluth. The, he likes to use certain voice actors a lot. It's uh, not as much as most people claim. I mean, Dom DeLuise was only in four of his films. You know, it's you know he has some favorites, but you know not hard favorites like most people do. It's it's not like it's not like uh, Harrison Ford and uh, or like uh, Johnny Depp being in every single uh, uh, Tim first, Burton movie. Yeah, Tim Burton movie ever. Yeah, uh, yeah, Johnny Depp and what's her name? Uh, I'm the drawing... girl with the big head. Yeah, Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. But yeah, Don, Don Bluth, wonderful animator. He actually was working on the Black Cauldron, but left early in production. So there is a definite some Bluth ticks in there still. Yeah, that's true. Some of the designs are very Bluth-esque, I should say. Uh, that's uh, the movie I haven't seen of Disney as of yet. It's sort of the redheaded stepchild of the uh, of <laughs> of Disney. Yeah, I've heard. I know all the controversy around it, but still haven't seen it. It's not and hard to come by. It's not I easy to they, come by. They condensed like. What was it like? Two books that they condensed down to an eighty-minute movie. Yeah, yeah, it was something really stupid, and it was like, how how could they have ever thought that this would work? And it it has a jar jar in it. Oh, yeah, and there is one they fear most in their tongue. It is called Dova King Cauldron Born. No. Anyways, <laughs> Skyrim humor, but yeah, Don Bluth. Devil's advocate here for saying sometimes. Uh, Bluth doesn't know when to stop. Like he's a good, an he was a ma he's a master animator who always makes really smooth animation. Granted, but sometimes he doesn't know when to stop. And uh, I remember talking about this on a forum, and somebody who went to, um, I'm pretty sure she went to the Savannah College of Art and Design. She had a uh, mentor who worked in the animation industry, industry, who uh, described uh, Bluth as a bit of a prima donna. 
when he a show off with his animation when uh, he worked on projects and uh that the same guy like saw went to see Secret of Nim and uh, walked out because the crow wouldn't stop moving Jeremy and I didn't get it I didn't get that criticism for a while until I like watched Secret of Nim and All Dogs Go to Heaven just recently and as a kid I was mesmerized by uh, everyone moving all the time but now as an adult I'm like god damn it you're just talking could you stop stop fidgeting you're like moving all over the place it's, well uh, most animators. Except for except for Lushimer, fear the Talking Head car- cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Lushimer I mean... embraces it. Yeah, Lushimer doesn't even <laughs> care if the characters are looking at each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's kind of like it's so good, it's too good. Like that, well, he's well, got to have people moving all the time, no matter. Well, you what's know going what? You on. know what? I think Bluth is in at least the happy medium there because then you have Bakshi who has that goddamn stupid scene in Lord of the Rings where we're for Frodo and, and, and Gandalf are talking and they're like walking all over the damn Shire when the conversation was just be in Frodo's living room. I think I, I think I threw up a little bit in my mouth when you mentioned Ralph Bakshi. It was just like, <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate. I still really enjoy his films, but I, I, I know I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I know what you're talking about, but I, like I said, Bluth hasn't reached that level that Baxi obviously did because Baxi's like has to have a can't have anybody like having a conversation. <laughs> they they have to like yeah Frodo has to pick up a stone and throw it and and hop around. It's like God damn it! They're just supposed to have this conversation in the living room because then they're supposed to find Samwise hiding hiding outside the shrubbery outside the window versus hiding him outside where they are. I, I believe it. I watched uh, Wizards uh, once. <laughs> Never again. Uh, and it was so a, weird. At because... least there's a goddamn Fritz the Cat. <laughs> there was. <laughs> they just kept wiggling. It's like, like at least in Don Bluth, everyone's moving. They're moving. They're moving like people would and how objects would move. In Bakshi, when they move, they're like wiggling. <laughs> well, like, in Bakshi, when they move, it's... jelly or something. Ba- in Bakshi, when they move, it's because the. Uh... The high contrast film that they filmed live actors is painted really. Oh wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching uh, Wizards and um, that robot dies at one point, and I didn't understand that he was dead until the the credits rolled because it just it cut he, like he hit the ground and it cut immediately, and they're off doing the next thing. I'm like this movie is shit. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, I lo- what I love is is the, the fight with the with the uh, with the Balrog in Lord of the Rings. It's it's just so bad because I'm expecting something like awesomely painted and animated, and then all of a sudden you have a guy in a goddamn suit. <laughs> and I, the, film, like, I had fallen asleep by that point. I, I'm I'm curious to see this now. <laughs> okay, I tried watching well, I, that movie. We we gotta try uh, together or something because as a kid I remember the only copy that was around from the Lord of the Rings by Bakshi was uh, English and with subtitles. And as I was like four years old or something, that's not the sort of stuff you go, you expect to see. I mean, reading? Really? But I thought I was going to watch cartoons. Oh, Neil, I'm sending you the, the Balrog clip right now. Oh, jeez. I got to see this too. Excuse me. Yeah, I, yeah, I found that clip too. I'm watching it. <laughs> the oh, there's no animation in this at all. It's just high, high contrast film painted over. See... <laughs> I don't remember any animation in this film at all. I I was just like, this is all like real actors filmed and just high contrasted up so that it looks like it looks like cell animation. I'm like, what what did well, they I, do on this film? 
Oh, do you see the Balrog? I see it coming. What? How his wings don't wait? So seriously, much, like, un- this is the wings don't like unfurl or anything. They just sort of fall out. <laughs> this, this is this is like the Jabberwocky from that 1980s Alice in Wonderland TV movie. Like That's what a, that looks like. It's just a guy in a suit. It, it's it's a, not even it's not even like a Toho level suit. It's like a bad shitty suit. He's wearing garbage bags on his feet or something. This almost makes you this almost makes you appreciate Peter Jackson, doesn't it? See, Peter Jackson's movies are like three hours long. This is only like eighty minutes, but it felt like it was three hours. <laughs> I, I I fell asleep. Well, I like this how his how Peter Jackson at least got how the Balrog's supposed to look. God, it's flying and it looks awful. <laughs> it's a guy in a suit. Oh god man! Damn it! This looks terrible. <laughs> oh my god! He made this. Someone made this. <laughs> Someone thought this was a good idea. And they kept going. They saw the dailies, and they were like, "Yeah, let's keep going on this." <laughs> you think that suit looks okay? Yeah, it looks fine. Let's keep going. <laughs> like I said, that, that's you the should animate it. Nah. That's what, that's so, what, it's a guy in a suit. <laughs> look, it's not like he could have like drawn anything. Oh. <laughs> Oh wait. Well, it wasn't a cat with huge tits, so he didn't know how to draw it. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Anyways, God. back to a real animator, Don Bluth. Okay. okay. <laughs> Don Bluth's career is if if we go just by the quality of his animation, the actual technical animation, his career is extremely even and good. If we go on by the story quality of what he released, it it starts with a great with a great high and a slow decline. And then a slight incline, and then decline again, and the slight incline, of course, is Anastasia. But yeah, it's that's that's how I, that's how I would uh, sum up Blue. The the what do you guys think? That's pretty accurate. I I haven't seen Anastasia in a long time, so I can't make any comment on it. But I will say that it definitely started high and then went. Woo. <laughs> um, and I I think I don't know. I have no idea. This is just you know me guessing, a shot in the dark that maybe. Don Bluth needed somebody to tell him, you know, Bluth, no, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't have a weird acid trip when the the kid is looking at his friend fall off a car or something, or, <laughs> or like maybe we can do without the giant clam and all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> but the alligator was needed. It was, and it, it was served, ac- it served a purpose in the plot. Granted. Eat granted. it, Doug. <laughs> yes, the the the, uh, the alligator was important. It showed up and actually it took out the bad guy. So. It was important, um, but uh, I I don't know. I feel like Bluth might have needed like I think he's an excellent animation director. Maybe he needed somebody else to do the stories for him. Also, another thing that he that uh, really kicked him in the ass is um, he would like try to put music in his films, and the music sucked. And uh, I uh, I would posit that if you're not gonna do amazing music, don't, don't do, do it. Music. Don't do music. You have to have like really good music or not like at all. Somewhere out there. Beneath, beneath the pebble. <laughs> that is so endearing to me. It is. I, I make fun of it, but it's cute. So that's a it, pass. It is endearing because it, it there's an innocence with his voice breaking up like that. Uh, uh, Pablo, your your thoughts on Bluth? Yeah, definitely Master Animator. Uh, great uh, emotional storytelling. But uh, he really needs someone to clean up his third act 
because, like I said, it, most of his movies are like, I, magic comes in and fixes everything. everything yeah. You've got moment. the touch! Yeah, something... But the thing is that, yeah, at least with Nim, he did establish it way earlier. And I guess we could say that the, the alligator was also established before, but... It was. Not as, not as <laughs> well executed as the other. I mean... He needs a, a solid script and also a solid executive producer that handles releases well and doesn't just pit him against Disney. This would be a great moment for a Don Bluth animated uh, film because Disney is, isn't even trying anymore with the 2D stuff. It's time for someone like, for, like Don Bluth to show, yeah, this is something that's awesome that can be done in 2D animation. But he needs a, a good script writer because, you know... Otherwise, it's going to have the same problems as before. And if he doesn't get a good release, a good wide release, he's going to have the same problems as before. And sadly, that will mean obscurity for another decade or so. That's true. But uh, this is your host, Ben. With TV's Mr. Neil. Pablo Prino. And Chu from Slightly Dan. All right. And we're saying good night. Night. Bye. Courage of the heart is very rare. The stone has a power when it's there. You got the touch. You got the power. Did you see that James Ralph actually has a scat costume now? I saw that. Oh he my god. How far has he fallen? I don't know. Is, is he just like Mike Matai's bitch now? I don't know. I, I don't know what Mike Matai does. He's like, I'm here and I make annoying videos every now and then. <laughs> like, what do you do? He also manages James Rolfe. I guess. The I I guess I guess the two doesn't. You don't know what we're talking about right now. Wait, I, I, I the name sounded familiar, and then you said James Rolfe. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, angry video game yeah. nerd, his friend. Uh, Mike, the body, yeah. Mike, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's. I'll be so glad when that bubble pops. You know, I was thinking, uh, if we play devil's advocate and acknowledge that the that the big lipped alligator moment was in fact a, a legitimate uh, uh, trope criticism, uh, would you say that uh, anytime someone in an oh say an internet video game review broke out into a play fight, would you say that's like a an al- a big lipped alligator moment? I was call it a giant clam moment instead. Yeah, because it just. Uh, yeah, but I'm just saying it's it's kind of funny how these people come up with this with this trope, and it kind of applies to their own shit. It's like, okay, what what does this stupid fight have to do with the goddamn game review? <laughs> well, the problem your... the problem is they're self indulgent assholes. Like you got it's the point if you can't like put all your friends in the video, so. <laughs> well, they they aren't even real friends. They did like meet. They met once in Chicago while they were having a play fight. With Kikashia? Well, no, the one, the, the one before that, the one where they were, the one where they fought in the middle of a hotel without telling the hotel staff that they were going to make a lame ass internet video. Oh, I didn't know. About the thing that. is, I watched, I watched Spoonie's Final Fantasy VIII review, which was epic length, but it was funny the whole way through, except right at the end, it like drops off into wacky land. It's like, <laughs> it's like, suddenly there he is standing in a squall costume. I'm like, what are you doing? And then fights himself.
I'm with you there. Like, I really enjoyed his uh, Final Fantasy reviews, but then, like, I ha- I have to put the disclaimer, like, don't, like, pay attention to when he's playing himself as all these characters. Like, just wait for the review when he's not jerking off. So <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 that's the thing I hate about those guys. And I, I, I actually told Neil that Final, his Final Fantasy VIII review is the shark. And Neil didn't believe me because Neil was like, this is actually good until, until he got to the skit. Yeah. yeah. And Neil's like, this is shit. Why is he dressed up like Squall and why is he fighting himself? I'm like, because he's a self-indulgent asshole that he just got fired. <laughs> you know about that, right? No. Uh... He got fired from that guy with the glasses.com. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. How did that happen? Uh, what he did was he uh, he uh, he sent a tweet to uh, Jesu Otaku saying uh, saying if the things don't work out with your boyfriend, uh, I'll chain you to my uh, pipe in my basement and I'll love you my special way. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just kept sprawling under control. He would like totally Charlie Sheen on Twitter. Yeah. Yikes. And that's why you don't leave the alcohol unchecked. What's really funny is is I showed Neil the video of, of Spoonie bitching about Twilight because he used to see Twilight with his ex-girlfriend they broke up with 18 months ago, and he's still, like, being a bitch about it. Mm. And Let it go, Noah. <laughs> he's like, Scarlet broke my heart. It's like, that was 18 months ago. Oh, he, he, was, he, he did a video of him reviewing Twilight where he's, like, drinking booze and and, 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 and and talking about how much Twilight sucks and it's it's not even funny because because he's just bitching and drinking. Oh man. Oh well. So <laughs> it's 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 sad. It's like watching a, a guy that you know like from high school like self destructing and it's like it's not even funny and where it's like sad. It's like, uh dude, you're gonna be okay? Do you, do you need me to call somebody for you? And yeah, then he but... uploads it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I used to be a Spoonie fan when he was funny, and then he uh, play fought. See, I didn't mind the first Doctor Insano skit that was in that because he was actually making a legitimate criticism of the game. And it was a pretty good Obama joke. Yeah, it was. It was really, really funny. <laughs> and then... And then the character kept coming back. I'm like, no, you don't do that. And then he, and then he did the goddamn... Uh, Oh god, this this unscary Balrog's just so really bad. Uh, oh, oh. It's just a guy that costs. Pablo. Yeah. What'd you do? Uh, did you do something? You're getting, you're getting, you were getting feedback there for a second. Weird. Uh, this is just so bad. Oh, uh, then the Balrog flies. I, I just love the shot of it flying, like. I just love the fact that, you know, the concept of the Balrog couldn't really be done in a movie because of the, the, the description was just so strange in the book. Mm-hmm. And then animation's like, oh, we're going to finally see what it's supposed to look like, and it's a guy in a suit. Yeah, the one medium that could do it right, and he rotoscopes it. <laughs> and, and then Peter Jackson does it right, a creature of fire and darkness with wings. And Peter Jackson nails it. So, so Ben, how much of Slayers have you seen? Uh, about ten episodes. About that. Oh wow, yeah. The TV show with the new stuff, it's like a hundred episodes, and yeah, yeah. So, 
Quite a bit. I'm I'm going through it right now. I have not seen Revolution or Evolution R at all. They're good. So, so I'm gonna like go. Them. I'm gonna go right from Try right into the uh, into the new stuff. And so so Bakshi versus Rankin Bass. Rankin Bass. You know, Rankin Bass gets a lot of shit, but I, I kind of like their stuff. Even even the stop motion stuff. I gotta admit that Rankin Bass's Return of the King is better animated than the Bakshi's. Uh... Still bad. And the Witch King sounds like Star Scream. <laughs> I uh, I really like uh, the new the two new seasons of uh, Slayers, or at least the I guess it's the one they had to chop up in the two, but it was yeah. really good. So. They even had, had Naga in a legal way. Yeah. <laughs> they snuck a Naga in there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's too bad it couldn't be legitimately Naga. But on mm. the other hand, you know, she, you know, I don't think she would she would have worked in the original uh, three seasons. Because they couldn't animate boobs that well that early. No, it was because <laughs> her relationship with Lena is so different from the rest of the cast that she would almost be like a fifth wheel. Because the the way the relationships work with the other three characters with Lena is just so they got it down to a science, and Naga would just be kind of this be kind of out of place. I can I can agree with that. Yeah, because I can't I can't imagine what her and Gowry would be like, or she hit on us. Yeah, she'd be hitting on him. That's the problem. Nonstop. <laughs> it's like and he would extra, just be staring at her boots. It's like this extra piece of drama that would just uh, interfere with the plot. Um, uh, to our listeners, apparently I got some of the facts wrong about that last Antonio Banderas movie. Uh, Pablo has seen it, so Pablo's going to straighten the record out right now. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I had uh, written that comment, but the uh, thing is, uh, I, do I really have to sum up that movie? That that movie really effed up uh, my, my mind, seriously. <laughs> I mean, it, the only reason I went to see that movie is because I hang out with girls who are sort of you know, artsy and stuff, and I'm like, you know, I studied film, I really don't need to see this, and it's like, oh, come on, who wants to see, I don't know, Underworld, when you can go watch this thing that I have no idea what it's about, but it's from Almodovar, and it's like, but Almodovar, he's sort of a sick fuck, remember? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we gotta watch this. Um, So, uh, okay, let's go straight to it. Thing is, the movie starts out uh, with the story already started, uh, there's this guy that's keeping a woman hostage. It's Antonio uh, It's Antonio Anteras. And then suddenly this guy breaks in and tries to rape the girl. And he comes in and saves her. And and then they Antonio Anteras and his woman hostage end up sleeping together and some in some sort of loving relationship. Because I guess by then Stockholm Syndrome had kicked in. And the thing is... Then they start dreaming about how they got there, and uh, first we see Antonio Banderas' dream uh, about him, how uh, some time ago he had a wife who was in an accident and got burned and then committed suicide, and that severely scared his daughter, and then after years of therapy, he, his daughter, now around 15 years old or something, went to a party where she apparently got raped by a guy, 
and that's as far as we see. Then we see the dreams from the girl he's sleeping with, and it turns out that the girl was actually the guy who supposedly raped his daughter, who uh, he abducted after his daughter committed suicide after being raped, and then performs a vaginoplastic surgery on him, as in, I remove your penis, I put in a vagina. And Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And then comes this, uh, it's a great scene when he just discovers he has a vagina, he no longer has a penis, and Antonio Banderas comes in and explains how he has to shove up some stuff up his vagina in order to keep the wound open, you know, to keep the, the hole open. So as to you know, and he starts explaining, you know, first you have to use this as a small one, and then this that's bigger, and then this up to this one. And this sounds really this. sick. Yes. Well, did, did they tell you about there is wrote down a movie from the Spy Kids movies? Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Well, and the thing is that uh, eventually, you know, we sort of uh, he he gets this guy and starts using him as a sort of guinea pig for his new skin experiments, super skin experiments, and eventually, you know, tunes him up. He pimps up his hostage to look like his ex-wife, who was dead, who was actually, uh, who had actually tried to run away with the guy that tried to rape her at the beginning of the movie. You know, the, the guy that tried to rape the hostage that looked like his wife and not, who was actually the one who almost raped his daughter. So then... Uh, the hostess remembers he was once a boy and how much he suffered, so he kills them all and goes back to his mother. The end. And so the thing is, you can, of, of course, you, you can expect that for weeks after that, I started sitting with my legs crossed for a while. Wait, was this uh, like an un unwilling sex change? Was he does it like against his will or something? Or Yeah, yeah he, he, he oh, abducted okay. Uh, I was gonna say that's kind of weird. Like he's like, oh, I changed my mind. I love being a boy. Like, oh, what? <laughs> okay. Oh, no, he, he sort of embraced the situation, you know, with Stockholm syndrome and all that. Uh, and so it was like, okay, I'm a woman. I'm this guy's hostage. I I think I love him somehow. Let's run with it. And then it was like, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, that this guy abducted me and then removed my penis, gave me a <laughs> vagina, and then changed my identity. Uh, I, I really don't have any good reasons to love this guy. Yeah, I think I'm going to kill him. Wow, that so is one that... hell of a Stockholm Syndrome case. <laughs> yeah. it, didn't you call this movie Major Trolling? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I put... Uh, because uh, the the name in Spanish here, it's uh, The Skin That I Live In, or something like that. And the thing is, I, I, I said this wasn't anyone there's trolling. Uh, I, I mean... Almodovar's biggest trolling ever because if they never tell you about how this woman ended up here and you have many sexy sh scenes and shots of this girl and then it's, it's like... It's a trap! Ha! It's a trap! <laughs> uh, Fooled ya! Uh, Fooled you! <laughs> oh my god, I, I can't believe you actually watched this piece of crap. I, I haven't even heard of this piece of crap in the <laughs> Oh my god. You, uh, my friend said, uh, oh, let's go into the movies. Let's watch this movie. And and the last movie that Almodovar had done was way too normal for his <laughs> usual stuff. Uh, it, it was called something like the, the Broken Hugs or something like that. And it was about a, a film director that goes blind. Um, and so it was like, no, that was way too normal and average for me. I got to do something fucked up again to show I haven't lost my edge. 
So, okay, let's go with vaginoplasty, hostage, Stockholm syndrome and stuff. Yeah, rape, death, suicide, let's do it all. Uh, so, yeah, we got that. And I was, I had already paid for a ticket. I was in the movie theater and, okay, it was, it's brilliantly executed as a wonderful piece of trolling art. <laughs> you can admire it. It's not the sort of movie I would watch again, but it's perfectly executed. It's like, oh, I... This katana shoved up my chest. Wow, you do have precision, man. Oh, and you just spin it. Oh, that feels great. That you are making sure I feel the pain. You're <laughs> an artist, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I won't comment it until I, you know, bleed to death or something. You, because you're pretty awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very glad you're killing me and not some amateur or something. <laughs> Oh man, Omni fetish the movie. Jeez. <laughs> wow, that that that's pretty that's pretty bad. What's your what's your comic site again? Um, here I'll just type out the URL right here. Sdamned.com. All right, I see something that looks like a Pokemon. Okay. <laughs> okay. French, German, Korean, and Spanish. Uh, I guess there are a lot of people who wanted to uh, translate, but they've all gotten like various degrees of translation. Like there's like 20 Korean pages and like 300 French ones. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can barely understand Korean, and I'm half Korean, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah. I love the food though. It's, I can order food. That that's I can order food, say hello, and curse. There you go. Got all the important stuff down. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Neil, I just realized something. What? Koreans do a lot of animation now, but you haven't heard of any Korean animated series. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is weird. There was a Korean movie I heard about a long time ago, but I never really saw what happened about it. I was actually looking up Korean animation on Wikipedia earlier today, and the list is is, is kind of short. It's uh, You might have to check one of these out. Oh, have you guys seen Leafy, A Hen into the Wild? Uh, what What's the name? It's a, a leafy, a hen into the wild. I saw that movie real recently. Uh, usually movies don't make me cry. This made me cry. Oh, it's a, like Korean, a baby. it's a Korean animated film, yeah. Yeah, a recent one, too. It, I was just bawling. <laughs> it was really good. Hmm. What's the, so what's the animation like? Is the animation good? Is it, or is it, is it traditional a, it's, animation? It's, um... It's it's traditional animation. Well, it's digital. It's 2D. There is some 3D stuff in it, and it's actually really good. Um, you know, it's not exactly Disney caliber, but it's really good. Um, it's not like you're gonna see like missing frames or anything. <laughs> so okay. the, the characters are all consistent. Um, the animation's okay, good. pretty good. Oh, good, good. It's a. Uh, it's just Koreans do a lot of animation now, so people should just really give them a chance. Because mm-hmm. because people are still still. You know, I, I'm just wondering if Korean animation ever breaks it big here. What are what are we gonna call it? Is there a do they have a, a term for it? Like, there's anime for Japan, obviously, but do they have their a Korean term for their stuff? Or they they just... really don't. They really don't. And, and and I'm just wondering what's gonna be. Because are they just gonna put a K in front of it? K anime. Can, anime. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It, 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 I'm just I'm just wondering what's gonna be called. It's. Huh. It's a good question. It's a very good question because it's a because you know there's J-pop and then there's K-pop. It's it's, it's and I can't stand either of them. <laughs> Canimation. 
It almost sounds I, like I, canned animation, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. I don't know. Well, I hope it. I hope it uh takes off because I I'd, I'd be interested in seeing um what Korea makes because this definitely has like its own. Uh, it's you know a Korean taste to it, I guess I would say. Well, Koreans have been doing like a you know DR Movie is one of the big studios in Korea now, and DR Movie is as good as TMS was ten years ago, mm. in my opinion at least. It's a, I know some people might disagree, but they're wrong. <laughs> no, DR Movie is 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 one of the is is just turning out fantastic results now. Uh, it's you know Acom is only alive because of The Simpsons. Oh wow! They uh oh wait. As a support overseas studio for American production, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Who DR movie? Yeah. Oh, DR movie. Yeah, DR movie did most of uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah. Yeah, they worked on like everything. <laughs> DR movie. I, yeah, I remember. I remember that when I was a kid, and uh, I was used to looking at the credits, and you know, it would be like American names and the Japanese names, and then I would be watching anime, and then it would really stand out in like in uh, alphabet characters. All these Korean names, I'm like oh, it's changing. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, actually, if you were looking at Marvel in the '90s, you'd see a lot of Korean names because they used Acom a lot, mm. despite what they claim. So you listened to our latest episodes, you enjoyed them. Oh yeah, let's see what I uh, I, I jumped around a bit. Let's see, I listened to yeah, The Simpsons, Gargoyles, He Man in the Era, ter- uh, the Terrible Era of Filmation. So what do you think of uh, Gargoyles? Some people disagree with how how we. I think it was fair because uh, I'm actually a big Gargoyles fan. I love it, but I can't say that you're wrong. <laughs> there are a ton of pilots in uh, the Avalon thing. Where yeah, they thirteen backdoor pilots. I don't know if it's thirteen, but there's at least like five, and th- like, and they made him in the comics, and he admitted to this. So I know he's guilty of it, certainly. And I'm I know that like even if. Even if the other ones, the other eight or whatever, weren't actually backdoor pilots, given the chance, he would have taken it. <laughs> he would have done it. Yeah, I, I think Greg Weissman's overrated. I think Gargoyles is overrated. I mean, because I watched it again, I'm like, eh, this is just okay. I think it was. It, it stood out because uh, uh, it was one of the few series that had a, a continuing story, which used to be rare. Now it's a uh, now Avatar made it a lot more acceptable uh, acceptable to do that. Um, but I mean, as much as I like it, I know there are problems. There's a lot of stinker episodes. Oh there's God, of, yes. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, like backdoor pilots going on. A lot of weird stuff. Um, but I still enjoy it. So, eh, well, just different strokes, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, actually, one thing, one thing I don't think I said on the show was was the whole was the whole uh, uh, deity thing, where it's like you can't have a question about what religion is right and have the answer be yes. <laughs> Which episode in a particular are you thinking about? Well, they, well, they have Odin, they have uh, they have Oberon, they have uh, the, oh, yeah. the, the the rabbi with uh, the rabbi with the stone golem that was a backdoor pilot. <laughs> I don't know if that was a backdoor pilot. Oh come on, like, that totally like, was a backdoor pilot. Like I said, though, even if it wasn't, if Disney was like, do it, he'd be Greg would be like, yes, okay, let's go. <laughs> And I, I never realized until I listened to your episode that uh, Greg never wrote any episodes. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. God damn it. He appears <laughs> in the DVDs, though. He's, like, introducing all the episodes and stuff. But I'm like, hey, wait a minute. He never wrote any of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did write some episodes of The Craft Man. Oh, man. Oh. It's not, let's not go there. <laughs> oh, well, it's you're funny not... Because this, what's funny is that, like, I, 
I know of Greg Wiseman because of Gargoyles, but then whenever I see anybody talking about him for, like, what is it, Young Justice or something, if people are just shitting on him, I'm like, oh, I guess that was it. <laughs> well, I know. Like I said, I think all he has is Gargoyles, because even when he was writing comics, he wrote an, episode, he wrote an issue of Justice League Europe, and he's like, he has the Justice League meet the Gargoyles. Oh, man. Have you guys read the uh, Slave Labor graphic Gargoyles? I couldn't do it. I'm a big Gargoyles fan. I couldn't do it. I read the first issue where Thalog shows up and, like, interrupts a costume party. I'm like, oh, this is such bullshit. It is bullshit. (laughs) I I felt like the reason Gargoyles was as good as it is is because maybe Greg Wiseman had an idea and they were, like, three other people. And Michael Reeves wrote the stories. No. Saying no, or someone else wrote it, and then like nobody's there to tell t- tell Greg no. So it's just like George Lucas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're like, ah, <laughs> oh god, my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, I love I love making Greg Weissman jokes because people are fanboys of him, but once you start pressing them, and they always come back to just gargoyles, and then when you reveal that he wrote not a single episode. <laughs> <laughs> It's, oh. it's like 80% Michael Reeves. It's like the Transformers guy. It's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's just funny to me because <laughs> oh, yeah. People... he is so overrated. Yeah, and I could see even with Gargoyles. I'm not I'm not like any part of the fan base. I don't know what's going on, but I could see people like Gargoyles the best. I'm like, I really love Gargoyles, but at the same time, I'm like, really? You're going to stand by this, uh, this episode about nanobots where... Nobody's real. <laughs> or this this episode where everybody's off model and has really dark shadows and they're kind of looking a little wall eyed. I I don't know, guys. <laughs> oh, that that was an Acom episode. What I love is is when the is 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 when they have the, one of the Korean studios animate episodes. See, what I love is how Greg Weissman was trying to be scientific with the design of the gargoyles, with like how they have haunches on their hind legs. So, oh, so they run. They actually run on all fours just to make them look a little bit more alien. And when a Korean studio animates one of those episodes, oh my god! <laughs> and what I love is, oh, they need to climb up to to start to get a glide going so they can fly. And they climb up like five feet and then jump off, and then they're able to glide and get up to the, to the height of skyscrapers. I'm like, bullshit! <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know they have wings. If you say, oh, they can just fly, I would believe you. It, that was a weird decision, I guess, but it's kind of similar to where, like, all those times you see Spider-Man swinging and his, his web is going straight up. You're like, what's he hanging on to, a bird? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Where's Goliath flying? I have to see him! <laughs> Especially with a big whooshing sound effect as he, like, nips somebody's fedora off. You're like, okay, come on. You telling me nobody in New York looks up? You listen to you listen to defending the craft man, right? I haven't listened to that one, actually. <laughs> it sounds like I have to. You keep recommending <laughs> the the controversial ones. Oh. Well, I I even if I don't agree with you guys, I tend to agree with you guys. So hey. <laughs> well, defending the Titans is a much better episode because 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 we had a guy that was defending Team Titans and he was just woefully ill-equipped for that well there you go i don't like teen titans yay and and i had (laughs) and he had been posting a lot of uh he was trash talking for two weeks yeah trash talking and i i was kind of i had had enough of it and it i was so intense on that show that i i can't even listen to it (laughs) (laughs) well the thing is that 
whenever it's a show because that's something that is there to debate, the show is longer because I remember when we did the Iron Giant and it was like Iron Giant, yes, it's awesome, yes, it is definitely, yeah, that that sh that movie rocked, yeah. <laughs> so we were all wiping mayonnaise <laughs> off our chins after that one. Oh, Neil. Brad Bird, if he ever did anything bad, we would judge him accordingly if he ever did anything bad. You, you guys know I, I'm very impartial when it comes to stuff like this. I, I even tried to defend the crap man somehow. I, I, I went and said, okay, crap man has this, has that, has this going for it, and has this, all of this against it. Uh, but then I had to leave, and that's how I left that poor little fella alone with you in one podcast. He's not. He's he, yeah. It's it's like he's not. You know, we're not in a podcast with him. He's stuck in a podcast with us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's practice. <laughs> yeah. What was that? Was that too? Uh... Was that too much of a Batman reference? Uh, is that your new stage voice? <laughs> what? Is that your new stage voice? Sounds like you're gargling marbles or something. <laughs> I just proved this city believes in God. <laughs> I'm not the one in the hockey pants. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Jim. How's the kids? <laughs> I know you how you got these. Hi. <laughs> Swear to me. Swear to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So uh, let's see here, uh, Pablo, Neil, you got time for uh, for for Bleach? We can do Bleach. I won't have much to say about it because I just haven't watched it at all. Shoot, but... do you know Bleach? Nah, I don't know anything about Bleach, so yeah, okay. I have to sit this one out. Yeah. I'll okay. Just... You might hear me snoring in the background. No, I won't do that. But I'll I'll make uh, uh, snarky comments probably. Oh, that's 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 perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what you need. We need you to do. Uh, too great to have you on. We will definitely have you on a future episode if you're interested. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I this was a lot of fun. So thanks for uh, letting me uh, butt in. No problem. <laughs> oh no, it was great. We love having new guests. Yes, we do. All right. Take care. See you All guys right. later. Take care. Good night, you. Night. Bye.